Thank you for joining us for another life-giving message from City Church Now in Progress. Amen and amen. All righty. Do I have any dreamers in the house? Any dreamers? Any dreamers? Uh, every hand should have shot up because I am, I am a dreamer. And, uh, and, and that's what I want to talk to you about. I want to talk to you about dreams. I want to talk to every dreamer in the house. I want to encourage. I want to inspire. I want to motivate. I want to challenge. I want to encourage you this morning. We're going to look to the life briefly of a dreamer. Uh, uh, who will be familiar to most of you who are students of the word, and his name is Joseph. And uh, we're going to go fast and furious this morning because I have a lot of content to cover, uh, but I pray we will pace ourselves enough that you will glean something from what I share uh, this morning. Our anchor text, our anchor text is lifted from Genesis chapter number 37, a somewhat familiar passage of scripture. We'll be reading together. We'll be reading together from the New Living Translation. Do we have that? Let's go ahead and put that on the screen uh, for those of us who are following along. Also, these notes are available on version. For those of you who are tech savvy, our notes are available on version. Just search uh, events. And it'll pull up all the churches in close proximity to where you are. You'll see City Church. You can click on City Church and follow along in your notes. I have discovered, I have discovered that most people fail in life, not because the dream isn't real, but because the dream isn't ready. And so this morning, we're going we're gonna to discover what that looks like to have a dream that's real and how to prepare ourselves for the fulfillment of the dream. The truth is, sometimes God has to grow us into the size of the dream. Many times the dream is real, but we don't have the capacity to faithfully steward the dream. So God has to grow us up into the size of the dream, which is usually a God-sized dream. In fact, if you're a dreamer this morning and you believe you can accomplish a dream in your own strength, you're dreaming too small. The truth is, as we study God's word and God begins to present these God-sized dreams to ordinary men and women, their first response was fear. And often God would encourage them or or he would send an angel to encourage them and say, be not afraid. Because oftentimes the size of the dream is bigger than our capacity to handle it in the moment. And God has to enlarge our capacity to receive it. I ain't sure about that. All right, let's examine the text. Beginning at verse number one. So Jacob settled again in the land of Canaan where his father had lived as a foreigner. Uh, This is the account of Jacob and his family when Joseph was 17 years old. Notice Joseph is 17 years old. I always find that interesting. That some of the people God used in the most powerful and profound ways were teenagers. such as Joseph, who's only 17. Mary, the mother of Jesus, who was only a teenager. Most Bible scholars say she was somewhere between the age of 13 and 14. Esther, who was entrusted with the deliverance of an entire nation, is a young orphan. Listen, listen, listen. 
our teenagers will rise or fall to the level of our expectations of them. As parents, we are failing our kids because we say, oh, they're just a teenager. If that were true, God would have waited until Joseph was 30 or 40 years old to appear to him. We are letting our kids off the hook because God still wants to use our students, our teenagers, and our millennials right now, right where they are. Are y'all listening to me? So God's about to show up and tell this teenager about a God-sized dream that's so much bigger than where he is at this moment in his life. 17 years old. It says he often tended his father's flocks. He worked for his half-brothers, the sons of his father's wives, Bilhah and Zilpah. But Joseph reported to his father some of the bad things his brothers were doing. How many of you realize being a tattletale on your older brothers is a recipe for disaster? I just want to pump the brakes there for a second because most of us give his half-brothers a bad rap. Oh, they hated Joseph. Oh, they hated Joseph. No, Joseph was a tattletale. Listen to me. Listen to me. There are problems you and I will face in life that are not the devil. And that's why the scripture says James chapter 1, it says it talks about diverse kinds of temptation. Diverse kinds of testings. You know why? Because there are some kinds of tests that we experience that are self-inflicted. And I can guarantee you, if you're telling your dad about the bad stuff your brothers are doing, are you with me? I'm going somewhere with this. Next verse, verse 3. Jacob loved Joseph more than any of his other children because Joseph had been born to him in his own old age. Third, second problem, if you're born into a family where they play in favorites, that's a second reason for disaster. I'm talking to parents now who play favorites, who love the smart kid more than the kid who struggles academically who love the athletic son more than the son who wants to be a dancer. You're not listening to me. I'm going somewhere with this. One of the greatest discoveries that I have made as an, as an individual and as a pastor is this, that the first hurdle you will overcome with every dream you have is the fact that the first enemy is something called reality. In fact, President Barack Obama said it this way. He said, reality has a way of asserting itself. You know what that means? That means you can have this beautiful pie-in-the-sky dream of what your life and your marriage and your future is going to look like. But as soon as you open your eyes, the first thing you're going to confront is something called 
And that's where the rub comes. How do I reconcile what God is showing me now when nothing in my life looks anything remotely like what he's shown me? Come on, I got confirmation. Come on, somebody. Out of the mouths of sucklings and babes. Glory to God. But before I go any further, y'all, before I go any further, I don't only want to examine the life of Joseph, who was a biblical character, but I want to examine the life quickly, just quickly, quickly, quickly. This is sort of the, 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 sort of the apex, the climax of his life. This is one of those high points in his life where the dream he had as a young boy has been tested. In fact, we say it here at City Church, a faith that has not been tested is a faith that cannot be trusted. For those of us who push back against the test, for those of us who expect following Jesus to be a life of comfort and ease, a faith that hasn't been tested is a faith that cannot be trusted. And so, and, and so I want to examine the life quickly, quickly, of a man whose story is compelling because it teaches us real lessons, real life lessons about what it means to grow into the size of the dream and what it means to put your dream to the test. It is an extended clip. It's an extended clip, but again, this is God on film. And I believe watching the entire clip will help us understand the context and the times in which this individual lived. And it will help to reinforce this whole premise that the first enemy you will encounter on the road to fulfilling your dream is something called reality. Let's go ahead and, and roll that clip. And then we'll jump back into the word. I want to give you 10. I want to give you 10 questions that every dreamer must ask himself in order to put his dream to the test. Remember, we said that sometimes we fail not because the dream isn't real, but because the dream isn't ready. These 10 questions will help you determine whether your dream is ready or not. Are y'all with me? Question number one is the ownership question. The ownership question is always this, is this dream really my dream? And I have sat across from adults, grown men and women, grappling with regret because they invested and devoted their entire lives to living out mom and dad's dream for them vicariously. Became a doctor, you've got every plaque on the wall, but hate every minute of what you do. There are some of us pushing our kids to do stuff that they have absolutely no desire, inclination, proclivity, ability, acumen for. And the truth is, before you make a move, You've got to ask yourself, is this dream really my dream? Because I can guarantee you, if it ain't your dream, that first encounter with reality, and you're going to quit and give up on the dream because it was never yours. 
You inherited it from somebody else. Is the dream really your dream? Are you living out something that you want, you desire to do? Or is it just the pressure to be like everybody else? The pressure to look like everybody, to sound like everybody. Eh, 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 eh. Listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. Whole bunch of people I know up and quit their job. After reading the first chapter of Steve Harvey's Jump. Oh, yeah, I got a dream. I'm going to go in on Monday and give them the deuces. And I've told you this before here at City Church. When you quit your job, they stop paying you. Let this be a revelation to you. The ownership question. That's an honest question we have to ask ourselves. Is this dream really mine? There's so much more I could say about that. But I'm looking at the clock and I got to get through this. Let that just sink in for a second. Most of us do stuff just because it's a good idea. And I can guarantee you, at the first encounter with reality, Listen to me, for all the dreamers out there, can I, can I give you a reality check? If you are a dreamer, can I, can, I give you, can I give you a reality check? If you don't kill, you don't eat. So you better be sure this dream is your dream. Because reality has a way of asserting itself. Anybody listening to me in the building? All right. Uh, so put your dream to the test. Is this dream really my dream? Or is it because, oh, girl, you'd be real good at doing this, girl. You need to quit that job. And... No, no, no. You, let, me, let me tell you something. Back in the day, that's 80s or 90s when we said, girl. You know, the more R's you had. Let me, let me tell you what we're doing in 2019. Sis, sis, y'all know, know what I'm talking about, Wardy? 2019. I'll go on somewhere with this. All right, y'all ready? Now, question number two, the clarity question. Do I clearly see my dream? And that's why Jesus spoke to, not Jesus, that's why God spoke through Habakkuk to the nation of Israel. And he said, write the vision down and make it plain. Make it plain so that he who sees it may run with it. Most of us dream in generalities. But how many of you realize that every big picture is made up of pixels? And the quality of the pixels determines the resolution of the picture. And most of us jumping out there doing stuff and we're looking at the big picture and we can't even make out what the picture is because we haven't taken the time to make sure we have enough pixels which improves the resolution of the picture so we can see clearly what we're supposed to do. And we do it in the name of faith. I'm just going to jump out here and do it. But it's not because the dream isn't real. The dream ain't ready, sis. 
I was thinking of a way to throw that in there. Is the dream really your dream? And do you see the dream clearly? Number three, the reality question. Am I depending on factors within my control to achieve the dream? Am I depending on factors within my control to achieve the dream? And the truth is, most times we don't have all the resources. We don't have all the know-how. We don't have all of the expertise ourselves alone. And that's why partnership matters. Anybody hear the name Stephen K. Scott? Anybody know a guy named Stephen K. Scott? Anybody know, ever hear the total gym? Stephen K. Scott. But when Stephen K. Scott graduated college, he was fired, not quit, he was fired from his first 10 jobs. All in marketing. And these were people who said, man, you need to find another line of work. I'm talking about when we have a dream and we're confronted with reality. And the voices around us begin to say, man, you need to try something else because you ain't cut out for it. It's one thing to be fired two, three, four times. But if you fired the tenth time and everybody's saying the same thing, hey, bro, you ain't in your lane. Most of us would give up. But when the dream is really your dream, I ain't talking about a dream you're living out vicariously that somebody else imposed upon you. I'm talking about when the dream is your dream. Listen to me. So, so Stephen K. Scott, and I've met Stephen K. Scott, and I've sat with Stephen K. Scott, multi-gazillionaire. Most of the infomercials you see on TV, Stephen K. Scott. All of the marketing, Stephen K. Scott. The turning point for him was when he met a guy named Gary Smalley. And Gary Smalley said, look, man, you can change your life if you just read a chapter of Proverbs every day and begin to apply the principles you see in the Word of God. For those of us who have Bibles collecting dust, the key to your breakthrough could be in the very thing that you are ignoring, which is the Word of God. So he got a college degree, been fired 10 times. And in desperation, he turns to the word of God. And his life turns around. You've heard me say this before here at City Church, but it bears, it, 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 it bears repetition, right? It, 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 listen, 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 listen. Who you are and what you have is a direct result of the voices that you've chosen to trust over the course of your lifetime. Are y'all listening to me? The voices that you choose to trust will determine the outcome of your life. He could have trusted the 10 people that fired him and said, man, go try something else. The one voice that he chose to trust was the voice of a friend who said, the difference maker in your life is the wisdom that comes only from the word of God. And sometimes the most important resource that we need ain't money, Sometimes it's just the right friend. 
Are y'all listening to me? I'm going to get through these 10, and then we'll watch that video real quick. Is ready? For reals? Okay. Okay. Number four. I got to give this to y'all, okay, so we can get through this, and then I'll close the message. Did I say that already? Okay. Number four is the passion question. Does my dream compel me to follow it? That means when I wake up in the morning, what am I, what's at the front? What am I thinking about? When I, when I, when I, when I, when I go to bed at night, what, what am I thinking about? Does the dream compel me to action? Does it, does it prompt me to move on what I'm seeing and what I'm hearing? Heard somebody say this one time, that the proof of desire is in the pursuit. You show me how much you desire a thing by what and how much you pursue it. So I got people all the time. They say, oh, Pastor Ray, I really want to play, play the guitar. Okay. Did you buy your guitar? Nope. <laughs> After you buy your guitar, come talk to me. Because the proof of your desire is in your pursuit. You want to play a guitar, hadn't even bought a guitar. Yet you say it's a dream. It ain't no dream, bruh. It's a fantasy. Because the proof of your desire is really if this thing is moving you and compelling you to take action. The proof of desire is in pursuit. So Pastor Ray, well, I don't know. If I, let, me, let me ask you this. How many of you in this room know more about diet and nutrition than your current eating and exercise habits would suggest? The proof of desire is in the pursuit. It's not about what you know. It's about what we do. That's why James says in James chapter 1 and verse 22, be doers of the word, not hearers only. What's the last part of it? Come on, city church, y'all don't shame your pastor in front of all these first-time guests we got. Y'all looking at your phone? I thought y'all were going to come off the dome. Huh? That was from the dome? Okay, okay, very good, very good. Good job, LeGrant. Deceiving yourselves. Deceiving yourselves. You, you know what James was saying? It is possible to hear all this good preaching and not do it and convince yourself. In fact, it's possible to have a dream at the forefront of your mind and convince yourself that you're doing something. But the scripture calls you, listen, listen. What's the scripture call him? Self-deceived. Nobody lied to you. You've been lying to yourself. Because the dream doesn't compel you to action. Okay. All right. At uh, uh, number six. Five? Oh, my bad. Y'all paying attention, though. That was just a test, sis. All right, number five, 
Uh, it's called the pathway question. Do I have a strategy to reach my dream? Do I have a strategy to reach my dream? Y'all listen to me, listen to me, listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. Uh, God was very intentional about creation. He put first things first. Most of us, most of us fail in life not because we're doing the wrong thing. It's not because of a lack of effort. For some of us in this room, it's the wrong approach. Hmm? There are some people in life that just steady grind, 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 and no results. Sometimes it's not about the effort. You're working hard. You're working hard. It's not the effort, baby. It's the approach. That's why Jesus showed up to the man who had been fishing all night, and he said, Master, we've toiled all night and caught nothing, the grind, the effort. Jesus said, pump the brakes, player. Did he say that? No, 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 he didn't say He said, no, what he said, uh, he said, uh, <laughs> y'all help y'all pastor. He said, cast the net on the other side. It's approach. He said, you've been sitting that close to what you've been working so hard for. It's just on the other side of your boat. And sometimes it's not about working hard. Sometimes we got bad strategy. And let me tell you what bad strategy looks like. We are creating the dream out of sequence. Imagine God creating Adam and Eve first and placing them in a world that was void and without form, with no light. What was God's end game? God's end game was that he would create a man and a woman who would have dominion, who would replenish the earth. But in order to get to day six, he had to take care of days one through five. Even though God saw Adam and Eve and he saw the world fully replenished, he couldn't start. He couldn't start with them. He had to make sure that he created days one, two, three, four, and five so that when he created them on the sixth day and placed them in the midst of everything he had created, he had created, listen, 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 a self-sustaining system that he could step back from. And ever since then, God has rarely intervened in the affairs of men. Because he created something that was self-sustaining. Are y'all listening to me? Sometimes we are creating, our effort is is in building something that is out of sequence. So when God said, let there be light, the reason he said, let there be light was because he knew the next stuff that he was going to create needed life, light, to grow. Something called photosynthesis that would cause the plants to live that would cause the animals to eat the plants. Are y'all with me? So we are dreamers, and we see the end, but sometimes we don't have a clear strategy on how to reach the dream, and we are putting our effort in building things that are out of sequence. I'm going fast because, okay. Number six. Oh, yeah, this is my, one of my favorite ones. The people question. Talk about Stephen K. Scott and Gary Smalley. Here's, here's the people question. Have I included the people I need? 
to realize my dream. Listen to me. It's a big one. In fact, I believe it's Jim Collins in his book, Good to Great, who said, most of us say, uh, make sure you're on the right bus, right? Because you, the bus is going to get you to the right de- destination. He said, what's more important than the bus you're on and the destination of the bus is who you own the bus with. Because you can be on the right bus, taking you to the right place, but if you're on that bus with a bunch of crazy people, they're going to talk you out of the dream before you get to your destination. It is possible to be on a bus going to the right destination with the wrong people and never realize the dream. People matter. Y'all ready? Y'all know why? Because not everybody in your circle is in your corner. Y'all listen to me now. I'm speaking from experience. Not everybody in your circle is in your corner. So be careful who you put on the bus with you on the road to your dream. Can I give you another one? Sometimes. Sometimes the size of your circle has to decrease in size in order for it to increase in value. Thank you for the polite golf clap from the galley. <laughs> let me tell you something. Part of, one of the, let me tell you one of the reasons why it's so hard getting to your dream is because your entourage too big. You're rolling out like MC Hammer. I guarantee you, those folks that were in MC Hammer's circle when he had on them parachute pants and jerry curl, nowhere to be found today. Big circle, small corner. And some of us think that our value is determined by the people that follow us. Listen, listen to me. There were multitudes that followed Jesus. And one day he preached this really hard sermon and it said that day, a whole bunch of them left. Just one sermon. If people could walk away from Jesus, that's part of the problem now. The people we, listen, the Bible says, Hebrews chapter 12, it says lay aside the weight and the sin. Not everything that keeps us from the dream is sin. Sometimes the thing that's holding us back is just weights. And some of the biggest weights you will have in your life are the people that you're unwilling to get rid of on the way to your dream. Somebody say, shuck it, duck it, quack, quack. <laughs> Man, I just had a flashback. <laughs> are, y'all, are y'all with me? Sometimes your circle has to decrease in size in order for it to increase in value. And number seven, the cost question. Am I willing, here it is, to pay the price for my dream? Am I willing to pay the price for my dream? This is the question that you have to answer because, again, as President Obama says, reality 
Reality has a way of asserting itself. Reality is going to rear its ugly head as soon as you make a move. As soon as Joseph said, God gave me a dream and all of y'all going to bow to me, he found himself in a pit. Because reality has a way of asserting itself. It will force itself in where it has not been invited or welcomed. So, is this number seven? I hope we got this video. <laughs> because it's a story of a man who had a dream. And every, at every single turn, at every single turn, there were realities that resisted, that pushed back against the dream. But this dude, man, this dude was willing to pay the price for the dream. Can we kill the lights? And like I said, it's an extended clip. But what time did Pastor get the mic again? Thank you very much. Let's, let's, let's watch this clip. There are several reasons I love that clip. Chief among them is what I just shared before we ran the clip, point number seven. Am I willing to pay the price for the dream? Because the truth is, when Carl Bashir had that dream, anybody who aspired to be, if you were African-American, and aspired to be anything more, three jobs in the Navy, for an African-American, when Carl Brashear was dreaming about being a diver. Cook, steward, valet. Cook means you spent all your time shaving potatoes and cooking. If you were a steward, cleaning up. If you were a valet, you served one of the officers. Carl Brashear had a dream in his heart. The son of a sharecropper the sixth son of a sharecropper to be a Navy diver. Listen to me. The first thing that will confront your dream is reality. And the reality in which he lived said, you can never be anything more in this man's Navy than a cook, a valet, or a steward. Listen, when you go back and watch the movie and begin to consider everything that he endured, by the time we get to this clip, this dude has lost one of his legs. He is an amputee, and not only that, he's gotten so close to the dream that now he's got to deal with wearing a 300-pound suit to take 12 steps on one good leg. Most of us, confronted with those odds, would quit. And the reason most would quit is because the dream ain't yours. If you're living out mama dream and you have to deal with those kinds of limitations, you throw the dream out the window. But there are some of us in this room that God has given a compelling dream and what you're dealing with right now is reality. The reality of one guy who's changing the rules, 
just so your dream can't be a reality. Are y'all listening to me? And there are some of us in this room right now who are just 12 steps away from the fulfillment of the dream. Now, now from that seated position to the 12th step is no child's play. And that's why many people are so close and yet so far. The whole purpose of this message is to to challenge every dreamer and stir up that dream within you. It may not even be a dream. It may be something you want, something you need from God. And that brings me to my next point, which is the tenacity question. How tenacious are you? And are you moving closer to your dream with every step? Number nine, because I got to let you go, is the fulfillment question. Listen, listen. If you're doing it and it brings no satisfaction, I guarantee you, you're not living your dream. I guarantee you. If you're doing something over and over and going through the motions over and over and over and over and over and there's no fulfillment, you are not living the dream. You're probably making a living, but you're not living a life. If what you are doing with your life in this season of your life, does not bring some type of satisfaction and fulfillment. You're probably in the wrong lane. Because when you are in your lane, no matter what life throws at you, no matter what realities come against you, there is a tenacity. There is a stick-to-itiveness. Most of us quit prematurely. Any Any little thing, you take offense. Somebody says something to you, you quit your job. Somebody says something sideways, you stop going to the meeting. Pastor says something he didn't mean to say, wasn't even directed at you, you quit coming to church. How are you going to live the dream? And the problem is, because most of us have thin skin, we develop a calloused heart. Because everything people say, get through your skin and get to your heart. What God wants us to have is thick skin, tender heart. And that's why most people quit the dream. Because our feelings get hurt. Number 10. Does my dream, really something we don't think of often, but does my dream benefit others? Most of us pursue things, we dream of things because we think of how it will benefit us. The advantage it will give us in life. But every great invention, everything that that has ever been useful has helped humanity. Somebody saw a need and found a solution. And if your dream is only about you making six figures or seven figures, your dream is too small. The significance question. Success is what happens to you. Significance is what happens through you. Let's pump the brakes. It doesn't take a millionaire to, for God to do something through you. When was the last time you allowed God to do something significant through you? Or is your dream only about get money, get money? Yeah, you'll be successful, but your life will have very little significance. Because it's all about what happens to you, what happens for you. 
not what happens through you. Because our lives were never intended to be dead ends. They're supposed to be freeways. Problem with you, though, everybody that your friend got to pay toll. No, you're supposed to be a freeway. Freely you have received. Freely give. So for all the dreamers in the house, you can go ahead and play me off the stage, Chris. That's all right. There you go. <laughs> yeah. For every dreamer in the house, let me pray for you. And as I say these things, I'm talking to myself as well. Put your dream to the test. You could just be 12 steps away from the fulfillment of everything you've ever dreamed, desired, or wanted. Ah. So, Father, we pray now in Jesus' name, in the midst. We hope you enjoyed today's message. For more details about City Church and for other resources, visit us online at www.citychurchtv.com or contact us via email at info at If you were encouraged or inspired by today's message, we ask that you prayerfully consider partnering with us financially, either in a one-time gift or as a monthly partner. No gift is too small. We have three convenient ways for you to give. Via our website at citychurchtv.com backslash give. Via text, text citychurchtv and the amount that you would like to give to 77977. By mail, mail your check or money order to City Church Global Ministries, 8105 Razor Boulevard, Box 90, Plano, Texas, 75024. Once again, thank you for downloading today's message. We look forward to connecting with you soon.